quick. Yeah. Is there? Are we both? Yes. Check okay. one two. Good. Check one two. We're just doing one more. We Republic may have of figured it out. Czech Slovakia. Czech one two. 1985. You like drinking? Hell, you like drinking. Who the hell don't? <laughs> if you like me, you like to get bent just as fast as possible. <laughs> That's why I created Uncle Jemima's Pure Mash Liquor. <laughs> I'm Uncle Jemima. You may know my wife, Aunt Jemima, the pancake lady. <laughs> now, she says selling booze is the great to our people. Now, I always say, I don't think our people exactly swelling up with pride on account of you flipping flapjacks. <laughs> She says, why booze? I says, sell what you know. <laughs> and I know booze. <laughs> Uncle Jemima's pure mashed liquor is 73% alcohol by content. Uh, what the hell does that mean? It means you get fucked up for less money. <laughs> that's great. What is, what is that's that a SNL. Is it really? That's an old Tracy Morgan okay, all SNL right. sketch, which, by the way, SNL hasn't. Been good in a while. There. No, it's. I think it's funny, but it, is, it has been better for sure. It got too. I, I'm a fan of. It got too agenda driven. We talk we're talking yeah. about agendas. It, it just there's too too much agenda, and funny. If funny is not your number one agenda, sorry. You're, I've yeah. seen this trend in comedy. Are you doing a comedy show? I've seen this trend in comedy though. Like where trend funny comedy, is not yeah. necessarily the most important thing anymore. That's it's cool. now an agenda, some sort of agenda with whatever. Um, and the funny thing is leftists. I say leftists now as if I'm like, a, and, and, and automatically I'm going to be, oh, you're a rightist. No, I'm not actually. <laughs> I'm actually a fucking common sense motherfucker. But you Somewhere know, it's near like, the middle. If you disagree with me, you're wrong. And you need, like, I feel like there's this, like, elitism that exists on the left in this country that, like, their views are beyond reproach. And there's nothing that they believe or think that's wrong. That they're totally right. Sure. And it's always... You know, and I, and the right is that way a lot both too. Sides. Yeah, so exactly. in the middle where I sit, I'm like sometimes the right's wrong and sometimes the left's wrong. Like yeah. sometimes, like stop pretending like it's all so black and white. It's all gray. Yep, yep. I I think you're, we're both right. We just said it like on both sides, left and right. There, that is that elitism, extremism view, where it's almost like they they stop listening to you. Like that came up earlier. Like, oh, well, not even. You know what? On this topic, you don't understand. I'm not. You, you go ahead and speak, but I'm not. I'm not. You know, I'm just going to keep telling you what I think. We're right. going to keep disagreeing. Um, that's some bullshit. You know how many times? I mean, I've thought about. Not, we don't have to talk about politics a lot. We probably should not. Well, <laughs> I, dude, I don't. I don't. This is open forum, so <clears throat> please feel free. Well, I just you say anything you're comfortable so with. I'll, the, I'll, being the public. most important <laughs> thing. Yeah, the most important thing I'll say uh, right now about politics is everything aside. Our commander in chief. When is the last time, whomever that was, and 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 the recent figures have addresses. When is the last time our current commander in chief has said the words national debt? Mm. What is it at? And if it's anything, this is just my opinion. If it's anything like 
the history of his of his businesses and, and, and what he's done in his in his business life, investment life, it's only going up. Yeah. No, this time he just doesn't have to be the one to foot the bill. He could probably declare bankruptcy. That's what happened in New Jersey or wherever it is with the casino. Uh, big casino, the most, the biggest. The <laughs> the anyway, that was a joke. And uh, <laughs> anyway, one thing that's extremely important to me and that I am super worried about is that, that we are not discussing the national debt. And frankly, if you haven't thought about it lately, you better recognize. Well, because it is. Okay. Only gone up. It needs to be said. We are doing zero, and it will come it needs back, to be, and we will be. It needs to be said. It needs to be said. This is. I'm going to say this to this because this is something I've pondered on a lot over the years. Let's do it. Um, debt is money. Money is debt. Okay. All money in the United States economy is created by the Federal Reserve. Totally. That's a private bank that we, as taxpayers, owe that money back to the Federal Reserve. I know. We're borrowing it. Mm-hmm. Therefore, all currency is debt. So when you talk about debt, you have to recognize that money is debt. If there was no debt, there would be no money. And the whole system is a confidence-based system. Sure. So as long as there's confidence in the system, as long as every, as long as we all come together and agree that we're going to say that that fucking green piece of paper is worth that it has much. value yeah. for trade of goods and services, mm-hmm. we're good. If mm-hmm. the minute that confidence gets lost, then you have a collapse. Sure. So everything that is, dude, it, with with debt is all based on the confidence system that's set up. Debt will never go away, and it's only ever going to get bigger. It will. We will never pay off the debt because if we paid off the debt, all debts are paid. All the money eventually ends up back to the Federal Reserve, who we right. loaned it from in the first place. Right. Don't right. You, yeah. Yeah. I I totally agree. But but. I, I feel like there would be an advantage to becoming a debt-free country, you know, to reinvest <coughs> in ourselves, to get our books right. You know, like, I, when was the last time this country was in the black? We haven't always been in the red. Was it Clinton? I think I think George Bush spent it all. Um, Obama couldn't, he didn't have enough years to get it all back. <laughs> yeah. This is kind of the opposite of what's going well, on. He's met with a lot of resistance. Everybody knows that. Yeah. But, I mean, we were in the black. Think about it. Like, how? who put well, us there? we uh, were I, never... We were never out of debt. That's the thing. You, you like a surplus just means that the budget set out mm-hmm. at the beginning of the fiscal year. We are we have that money. We're we're actually under what we budgeted, so we have a surplus. That's what a surplus is. So why does and the surplus keep growing? Or well, like the well, debt, you know like that was Clinton. Like the sur- there was a surplus. Well, yeah, but that doesn't mean we were ever out of debt. We were always in debt, but. The surplus is whenever we set out that given year with mm-hmm. what the amount of money created. <laughs> sure. That we're this is where it's going to go. Where yeah. uh, we're not exceeding that. So you're, dude. This this whole thing is so complex, but it's also it so simple. If you break it down, everything complex is always simple. What do we talk about? Tempo Lerno, right? <laughs> I mean, like seriously. Boom. It's always simple, which. It's all confidence. That's the whole system is confidence. So as long as there's confidence in the system, yeah. debt is really what do you irrelevant. what about in the international community? Like, I mean, it matters what we owe other countries certainly tons mm. of money. So that's that's the debt I want to be. Okay. Paid. Okay. That specifically the the debt to ourselves we can sure. But we we do not mm. we we are not clear in zero with with other countries and we're not getting any closer to becoming that, and that that just that that bothers me. 
Um, I feel like well, you know what bothers me is foreign investment in America. Okay. Foreign investment in America. Think about it, Austin, right? Sure. In Austin, they built the 130 toll. That toll was built by a Spanish company. Mm-hmm. That means I was driving on roads in the United States where the money I was paying to drive on that road was going to a Spanish-owned company mm-hmm. in the United States of America. I don't think it's Spanish-owned anymore. but I think it fell apart and went out of business. Yeah, well, I think it's still... It, who's it's getting the money? I don't know. Well, it's... Who's getting the money? It definitely was a disaster. Let's just but say it's that. like the idea but we're paying open. to drive on a road, period, in America. The interstate highway system was created by Dwight Eisenhower in the 1950s. And, you know... Uh, yeah. It's, uh, to me, bro, like... We could spend hours on end getting pissed off about the way things are. And I thought whenever I started doing comedy, bro, that's what I thought I was going to do. I was going to come in and change the world. It's not going to happen. It's not. It's not like today, it, Cody. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just <laughs> going to shit on everything. That's right. That's Especially that I'm woman gonna... who walks up and turns her back. And I, I, oh. I tried to find, like, I was trying really to identify my life's mission statement. All right. Because I don't think this is something to get a little more higher brow here, but this is something I think, uh, I don't think a lot of people really ask themselves, what are my core values? What do I, what are the things that I, I my non-negotiables? Right. What do, what, what, I I can't. Where does the it. line get drawn that which, you know, William Travis in the line is saying, there's, um, this is, a, this is, I'll die on this hill. Right. Like, wh- most people don't know which hills, most people, like, never examined down and and this is not something that comes in like uh, a cursory knowledge of something if you're having an opinion about something you have to really know what it is you believe and think mm-hmm. and so i don't think people do that i don't think people really examine what their belief systems are they just kind of go through life reacting and being on autopilot and and then you know if the if there's this conviction about what it is i'm gonna say i better know where I'm going to fight you or where I'm going to say, okay, let okay. me hear you. Sure. So, uh, I guess what I'm getting at is I don't, uh, I don't think a lot of people really understand like what, uh, what it is that they really truly believe and what it is that they're just, this is the popular opinion of the time. Well, or it's, they're, they're in a place where like probably a lot of people are. Maybe um, I'll just put it out there. Maybe they don't believe in God, but but they want to believe in you know, or the, they haven't mm-hmm. s- admitted it to themselves or to the world or, or to whoever whoever they need to. But you know, or it's it's a very religion based thing, you know. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not even just talking about in terms of like religious beliefs. I'm talking about in terms of just like the things that you like, like certain. Uh, issues that might be hot button things, hot button topics, and people had take sides, like naturally one side or the mm-hmm. other. But of those two sides, how many of those people really know why it is that they take the side that they take? You know, sure. That's what it's like. I feel like some people just they're believe just or go with something because it's popular or because maybe somebody said something and they didn't really need need to like go past what they heard to like get on to board. Be convinced? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Some something to something about whatever they believe in connected with them. Yeah, and that's all they needed. But they don't have a lot of facts. They don't maybe right. 
Um, yeah. And that, that, that seems to like me that's was the speed the of the nation right now. Yeah, dude. Well, and that to me, bro, was, was that. That was religion for me. And I know this gets into something that you may find to be a topic that, you know, is sensitive. But that was to me where I eventually kind of separated myself away from the Christian religion was when I started just just the questions just kept piling up and the answers were never good enough mm-hmm. and the answers were always and when it when it all came down to it and you can't you know uh like like the the age-old question here okay so let's get into some real philosophical shit here um like fate versus uh predetermined a uh, fate versus free will or you you know the argument I'm making here. Free sure. choice versus uh, predestination. Yeah, predestination. That's it. They they can't both exist. Yet there's that the idea in religion that like God knows the plan, but you have free will. So you can't have both. They're literally mutually exclusive ideas. Either everything is predetermined, or you have free will. They cannot both exist. I agree with that. Yeah. So, do you believe you have? autonomy over the person that you are or do you believe that all this was already set out before you ever were born and then therefore a follow-up question to that would be if god created you and he knew the outcome of your life and he knew that you would end up eventually going to hell if there was such a place um and created you anyway how are you not predestined to go to hell like if right, you right. you know what I mean that there there's no yeah. way that both scenarios can exist in a lot it's like a you know Occam's razor or whatever I don't know totally um, well I when I was a when I was a lot younger probably a teenager was like struggling with this idea for the first time in my life mm. um, I recall uh, discovering the concept of predestination. And being a pretty big fan of it, um, I felt like it could make sense. What if everything, like everything I'm already going to do tomorrow, like the people I'm going to talk to at school, right? What I'm going to, uh, I already know what's on the lunch menu. That's predestined. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, like right. if I'm in middle school, right? Yeah. You know, shit like that. Sure. Um, and then I just kind of like didn't care. And then I cared about religion. And um, then the predestination thing came back in the mix. There was a time where, where, I kind of just questioned what was proper. I think ultimately I landed in a place where I believe we have free will. I, d- I don't think everything is predestined. I don't believe that um, God uh, predestines anybody to go to hell. I think in, in the terms of that example with Christianity, um, I, I believe that, you know, like God, Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, whatever, the Trinity, right? All that, Everybody knows that 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 as human beings we're allowed to have free will and that that god uh desires nothing more than for human beings to 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 love him right and to dedicate their lives to him and 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 so that's it and to understand and to continue spreading his teachings and all that um see and this is what i think let me here let me say one more thing okay okay, okay. Okay, so in this the situation with religion and Christianity in specific is I think that Christians have free will to, to live a life they want to live and they get to choose whether to go to hell because they all know they got to answer to God. Um, I don't believe in predestination anymore. I mean, everything 
whatever's going to happen tomorrow is going to happen. And pre- what I can't tell you that the other two million people around me in San Antonio, probably more now, um, I, I don't know what they're going to do. Is it all predestined? Like that's a little, that's like, that's madness, right? But where I personally landed between religion, predestination, and whatever is going on with this existence that we're, we're all living in is uh, I landed in a place that I know I have free will. I believe there's a higher power out there, um, whether it's God um, or the equivalent of that I can't comprehend That's yet. where I agree with you. I, there, something is out there. I Whether we're a universe within a universe, which is like some madness, right? Everybody's heard that before, I hope. Um, who knows? I What fascinates me is space and time. It breaks my heart that if research is correct, one day if planet Earth still exists, um, we don't blow it to hell, you'll look up into the, the Earth sky and not see any stars because they're all moving away from us. That's a fact. What's so your favorite planet? <laughs> Mine's the sun. I like it because it's like king of the planets. King of the planets. Well, actually, it's, it's a... Exactly. Well, planet or star, whenever that thing burns out, we're all going to be dead. <laughs> we're all going to be dead. Cold, Dude. tall, cold. <laughs> Harry Carey, <Dude>. Will Ferrell, <laughs> nailed it. Uh, I absolutely agree with you that I think that um, Science is there real. is something bigger to Space all is of it. Real. There's something bigger that we can't comprehend now. Where did it come Consciousness, from? Consciousness. I think, uh, you know, th- the miracle of the universe is that we're almost, we're made up of the universe. The, we're, Elements. we're the part, we're, all of uh, all of what we are was at one point in the middle of a star that mm-hmm. exploded, right? So Blue. our very existence is whatever realm, however perception exists, right. is some sort of weird, crazy miracle, mm-hmm. right? But um, at the same time, dude, we are um, still physical, like you're a sack of meat that I could, I could rip your guts out right now. Yeah. Right. So there is still a very much a physical reality that we exist in. So m- this reality and the re- physical reality are two different things because everything that you perceive the uh, your eyes, I- the input going into your brain, mm-hmm. calculating is all electrical. Yeah. So, um, you know, Elon Musk on Rogan's podcast talked about like how everything could be a simulation. And I and I think that's a compelling argument. Sure. Like you could very much make that argument and be as compelling as any religious actually more compelling honestly <laughs> yeah. than a religious argument. Um but it still breaks down to at the end of it it's still some sort of energy source that we don't really understand or comprehend. Mm. I don't think it's a conscious like has an agenda. I think it's just is. Uh, that's why what Carlin called the big electron, you know, like it just is just, you know, it's just, it's just, we don't, um, but what I wanted to tell you, what I wanted to say about religion and I'm talking about organized religion and this goes back to the roots of organized religion, especially in the Christian religion with, uh, the council of Nicaea and the, um, Emperor Constantine of Rome and the original canon of the Bible that, you know, we all, uh, know to be today um, governments can v- find religion to be very useful absolutely religion is very useful for governments right so when you look at it and you examine why is it so useful because it goes down deep into this fear of death that people have and you examine like how religion is used in the government 
and you have to acknowledge that it's a very useful tool mm -hmm. for politicians. Mm -hmm. Why is it that nowadays, even now, politicians will not come out as atheists? How many openly atheist Congress people exist in this country? I could Google this right now. I bet you it's like one. Yeah. Let's let's like like sense. I'm legit well, curious because it's like this is something that we we know why they don't come out, which is what what in your because uh, it would be a a, a career killer. <laughs> Could they advance? Could they? Hey, I mean, you figure there are plenty of atheists out there, right? Right? They would yeah. vote for them, right? But I mean, would they really win the seat? Would they win the the election their their election for that seat? I mean. I mean, this is like an article. Are there any openly atheist politicians in America from last year? Okay. Uh, so we're looking it up right and now. And I'm, I'm just, I, this is bigthink.com. I don't know. If this is like well, we're going to read it. Legitimate we'll, we'll source. I, I am curious if there are. I the only open atheist in congressional history was California Democrat Pete Stark, who spent three decades in Congress before admitting to his lack of faith. So he spent 30 years in Congress before even coming out. Because he's like, I'm entrenched enough now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They like me enough. They also, know that this really doesn't matter. <laughs> Let's be honest. I'm going nah. to retire next year, so I can go ahead. Dude, I, uh, and it's a career killer because of how religion is used by the government. It's, it's a deep. deep. This is a deep, deep. The voter base cares greatly about the subject, <clears throat> and if you and and if you're uh, against that subject. And, and think about um, the kind of the strings that pulls religion, right? I mean, very deep strings. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, well, your your voter base, you need these people to vote for you. Like, you know, I really like this guy, but I love A, and he doesn't love it's, A. It's whatever. just, it's not that all their supporters are religious. Like, let's take Democrats, for example, because Republicans notoriously are, are more religious of a party. But uh, on the left, you find that less. But even the left politicians don't want to say it because there's still toes they might step on so they don't want to step on any toes that they don't have to or they could like skirt around a topic but really religion is such a this is what i described i, I didn't say this i wanted to say this um with my comedy what i look at it is i want to attack institutions that people hold dear Okay. That's what I want to <laughs> do. I want to attack the institutions that people say you can't talk about this. Sure. Fuck you is exactly what I'm going to talk about sure. then. Racism, politics, religion. Mm -hmm. You know, things that people are like you just don't don't put your fuck you. Yeah. That if you're saying that about something then there that's a problem. Yeah. I mean Like nobody's like we can't talk about the, you know, fucking Olympics, or we can't yeah. talk about Don't you know. You dare talk about those? Olympics. Yeah, we can't talk Come about. Oh man, can't talk about the Bachelorette. That's listen. We 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 don't talk about the Bachelorette and proper. If, yeah. if only though. If only that's what we were <laughs> like. You can't talk about this in public. You How can't talk about the you? Bachelorette in public, <laughs> bro. Uh, I mean, it's just classless. <laughs> you sir. <laughs> no, you're, you're right. You're totally right. I just, and I think that that's. Well, everybody's titled to an op in their opinion, and that's and what that's what's going on these days. Like that's what's wrong with the country, if I can say that. Like everybody is entitled to an opinion, right? Everybody, it's fr it's freedom of speech, but the 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 lack of tolerance from 
from ourselves to each other as Americans is a big problem right now. People, we're, I've, I'll say this shit, we're weak. Yeah. We're weak as fuck. Nobody, yeah. we, we get pissed at every little thing. Go just, I've been fortunate to travel to a couple of different countries on the planet, some near and some very far. And the way people take things personally here is uh, very different. Very people, people, people on, on the other side of the the planet are like, oh, I'm sorry, did you bump me? Oh, that's cool. There's only fucking 300 million of us here right now in the subway, okay? <laughs> and it's not even rush hour. It's okay. <laughs> and here, over here, you know, somebody bumps you like, what, the, what do I embody? What the, yeah. yeah. And they pull out, who knows what, a knife or anything worse. And it's like, oh my god, dude, I'm sorry. And I want to respond to some of these folks like, I'm sorry, I bumped you. I'm in Target, and it's back to school shopping. There are 5,000 people at our target right now. Like, I'm sorry I bumped into you. There are 5,000 people in here. Like, there's just no patience. And, and frankly, it, I think it connects wi- to what happens on the road, with what happens on the road. And I say this, this about driving. Uh, there's a complete lack of patience on the roads, at least in Texas. Um, and there's, th- did I say patience? Is that what I just said? Yeah. Complete lack of patience on the roads. And, and, and yeah, anyway, people aren't polite. I said two things. I was kidding. Ha ha. Yeah, but there's just no patience on the road if you drive. You know, you know, you do, you know, people are just in a hurry. Oh, you don't get out. I'm going to pass you on the ride. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. I've well, seen so many things unfold in front of me that I'm like, I, I called. Like, this guy behind me is coming up. He's doing 100. Everybody's going 70 because nobody's moving any faster. So yeah. Switch lanes, switch lanes, switch lanes. Yeah. And 10 miles down the road, you're, you're in the exact same place. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think uh no patience. If you if you actually think about it whenever you're doing that, like sometimes it it's merited. Like I've been It's an emergency, Cody. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's sometimes, but yeah, a lot of the time If you're going 90 and a 75 on a Wednesday afternoon and I'm in your way, I'm fucking sorry. Give me a second. Yeah, especially if I'm in the fast lane and there's like three cars in the left. Like, well, and I'm then not like, gonna go 90 you know, just one to thing, let you buy. one thing that annoys me is when you're in a situation where it's like, maybe it's not like heavy, heavy traffic, but it's traffic enough that you're set at a certain speed that you're not gonna be able to go to pa- pass that, and somebody's just up on your ass, and there's like the car in front of me. I can't. I know. I can't you make can, them move any tint. faster. You can see through my windows. Like, there's somebody. You can tell my- right that there's. <laughs> you could get off my butt, like you know, like. Or there's an open there's lane situations to the left like or that, right of you. Maybe for there's sure. an open lane. You're yeah. like, this guy is up on my ass. If there was a legitimate emergency and I like slam the brakes, he would hit me at 75 miles an hour. But also, I'm in the middle lane. The fast lane is open and the slow lane to my right yeah. is open. Why is he? So th- that's careless I, driving to, to me. me like I think s- small I, driving. I, I agree with you. And then on the alternate side of the coin, I'm like, I think drivers could also be much more in tune because I think this, these cell phones that we have now, oh that's caused so many issues in Can traffic. Can I tell you a story? Can I? Yeah. So I was on my way to play Sunday morning. I was on my way to play Sunday morning uh, just two mornings ago. And I entered a construction zone in Shirts, Texas. And uh, I'm in a big white van because I'm a musician. I have uh-huh. a large white van. And it's not easy to stop, and you don't turn on a dime, and it's just kind of a boat. And I'm in a construction zone, and I'm coming up to 
a partition in the wall, the concrete barriers they put up. And I'm at the point to where if I fall off the road, I go straight into the first one, which mm-hmm. likely like splits my vehicle in half or some grotesque outcome. Yeah. Well, the person next to me in the, in the slow lane on my right, she starts to change lanes. Signals on into my lane. And I'm like, dude, you're going to hit me and I'm going to fly off the road into this first median thing, mm-hmm. or we're going to wipe out with concrete barriers on a two lane. Right. So it's a dangerous situation, right? I start honking the horn, which is kind of a joke in this big van. It's like, <laughs> like oh, sorry, I weigh like 9,000 pounds. <laughs> so, um, and I'm honking and I'm honking. And I'm, I'm literally, because I'm in a big ass van, I'm about ready to just jolt the wheel to the right and knock the crap out of this woman. Yeah. Right. And I look down because I'm in a big van. I sit very high. And she has got her phone. She's literally looking at her phone like this in her right hand. Oh, my God. And she's got her blinker on. And so what I'm, uh, I'm chalking it up to be is she was like she, she was so distracted by the phone, right? If we're being real, she was just distracted. She looked in her mirror, and she didn't even see me. And she hit the blinker. She's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I wasn't speeding. I didn't come up 100 on her 60, so I, like, appeared instantly. And so there was this funny spot where she legitimately did look in the mirror. Like, I'm kind, yeah. of, a, I'm kind of a weirdo. I think about these, these uh, situations like that. And so... All I know is that I'm honking and I'm looking at her and I'm looking at I'm watching this woman change lanes on me mm-hmm. and she's looking at her phone, which is turned up all the way. So I can see it's a big ass iPhone XS mm-hmm. or whatever. And so we avoid the accident. I narrowly avoid the accident. Lots of people behind us saw what was going on. They were like, this chick's going to change lanes on this guy, like straight up. Yeah. Like if I got if we got in a wreck and somebody was kind enough to stop, they would have been like the cops would have been like, tell us what you saw the car on the right hit the van on the right, on the left, excuse me, and then they wiped out. Mm-hmm. And and that's what would have happened straight up because she, she just... What was your speed? I was going 60, approaching a 55. Oh, shit. And I was passing her, so she was going like 50, 55. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was just like... In, I, I was driving at that speed long enough to know that she was approaching and that I was going to pass her. And then all of a sudden, she's just like in my, like, you know, yeah. in my space. So anyway... You had so to like slam on the brakes? Uh, I did, and she did too, which made for a really awkward thing because both of us slowed down. Everybody behind us had to slam on the brakes, right? And so then what happened was um, we recovered, and we went through. We're in a construction zone. There's a bobcat, like a huge crane, you know, like a digger or whatever they are. There's all kinds of stuff everywhere. I get over to the right, and I slow way down because I'm, like, really upset. And (laughs) she ends up passing me eventually, like, two miles down the road, right? And she's looking at me, and she's smiling, laughing, and she still has that fucking phone in her oh, hand. Oh, man. And she's looking at me like, uh, I don't know. And, and she's got this phone in her hand. And so, pardon my language, right? But she's got this fucking phone in her hand. And I'm like, eh. So I lower my window down, and I don't shoot her the finger. I don't do anything like that because that's like like 20 years ago, Mike. But, you know, mm-hmm. m- now Mike doesn't do that. And I put, I lower the window, and I put my, you know, you can you make a phone? symbol with your hand mm-hmm. everybody can do that right mm-hmm. and i just start putting it hang up the phone hang and i'm pushing my hand down hang mm-hmm. up the phone i'm making the international symbol for put the phone down and i'm like girl you you were i can see that you were on your phone it's just kind of all the more reason for for people i think including myself to get a dash cam dude get a dash cam i oh bet that man. a high quality dash that cam pisses would me have off seen that screen on its on its uh lens and yeah therefore my screen on upon review dude that story pisses me off on two levels level one being obviously she wiped me out like, like she could have been the being end a of shitty me. driver yeah that's fucking shitty like level two being the entitlement and i think that's female entitlement i'm not gonna lie do you think a guy would have done the same thing 
Like, oh no, a guy would have been like, if 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 nothing else, as a guy, most guys I think would have just sped off because they don't even want to deal or, with or that interaction, like of that embarrassment. But if they were going to acknowledge, they would probably be like. You know, like, I'm My very bad. sorry. Like, I know how much I just fucked up. And sure. her to just I'm be gonna laughing. Was she like a younger... Was she smiling? Kind of like, ah, I don't she know. She definitely was like, a younger woman, I'm sure. She, she was. She definitely yeah. was not over 25. Okay. And, and yep. I'm like old yep. as fuck. I'm yep. 38. I feel old as fuck. I know. My people that are older than me are like, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> but as a 38-year-old... Knowing that literally the way that this vehicle, my van, handles and, and yeah. like what basically I was like, I'm going to, you know what I thought about? Uh, yeah. I, I'm just glad that we didn't wipe out and I didn't, frankly, I didn't kill her with my vehicle. Yeah. Because my vehicle weighs a lot and it was loaded with gear. Like altogether, I probably weighed about 3,800 pounds, maybe 4,000 pounds. Wow. Or more. And sure. she was in a tiny little car, which maybe with her body weight was up in like, I don't know, 1,800 pounds. So it would have been like two of her cars smashing her car. And so, so I mean, I guess maybe I'm old as this book. I'm 38, and so I think of in terms like that. But like, I was no, just so yeah. I was angry with this person. But back to the tolerance and the patience with each other as like human beings and what's wrong with this country, right? And all that stuff I mentioned earlier. Like, I could have just gotten road rage straight up, which I have done in the past, probably 10, mm-hmm. 15 years ago. If I'm being honest, like maybe nine, 10 years ago. But it's been many years since I've like. Hit the hit the gas, catch up to them, and lower my window, and sh- you know, and like like that's gonna help, man. Come on, like right. that's gonna help. But I, I just tried to exercise some life experience, man, like and some appreciation for the fact that we're just like we said, we're just made up of space dust. We're living in this incredible time and space. As far as we know, we're the only thing in the entire universe that exists, at least that we can make contact with. Right and. Uh, and this this person this this like I mentioned earlier this girl is uh, in the human race she's like a, I consider her a sister to me no matter what color or race or ethnicity she was mm-hmm. she is a woman I am a man um, we're just human beings and so I was just like instead of lowering my window and going road rage and like shooting her the bird or whatever lot that and th- come on this happens daily thousands of times a day all over the world I just made a physical motion to her with my hand like put down the phone put it down okay yeah it would have been a travesty if i died and you had to explain to my mom and dad who are basically 70 both i'm sorry i killed your son i was on my phone yeah you know well but road rage incidents too dude it, it, they're terrifying that's, and that's it, one it, of the reasons i don't mess with that but anymore. it's you're a guy think about this okay. think about it oh my god you're a guy if she had done that to someone else someone who wasn't as good of a dude as you the guy that wanted to follow her, oh, they fo- he follows her wherever she goes. She gets out of her car. What is he gonna do? Probably he, immediately get arrested. It. <laughs> no, he's he's not gonna beat the shit out of her. No, dude. even if he berates her though, the yeah. tables could flip. It's, oh, yeah. Hey. So she's, he's, he's the physical consequence that exists as a woman to do that, it's just not the same as a man, dude. No. First hand, brother, Brenton Harris, my homie from O'Connor. He he was drum major. At O'Connor, my senior year, where we met, which we yep. didn't even really get into where we met, but we've yep. known each other for 20 years, dude. Yeah, man. Um, a hot minute. Yeah, a minute. <laughs> he, uh, my senior year, 03, he was he was drummer. But anyway, he's a he's a good friend. But he he did that in A and M. He gave a guy the finger. Well, the guy played for the Texas A and M football team or was kicked off for reasons whatever. Followed him, beat the fucking shit. Put him in a hospital. Out of your boy. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. That's, Road that's rage incident. 
from him flicking him off. That that dude never would have done that to a woman. It wouldn't. It, he never would have done it. He wouldn't have. Yeah. Because it was a woman, and it's yeah. not challenging his machismo. So the sure. the the consequences. Those are life or death consequences on the road every day that we have. The repercussions of fucking up and it coming back on you as a woman don't exist like as a man. The only road rage incidents that exist are men killing other men. That's sure. it. Or maybe women fighting women, I, but I don't even think that's common. It's never men beating the shit. You, wh- when's the last time you heard a road rage man beat the shit out of a woman oh, story? No. Have no. you ever heard one in your life? Ever? Nope. Not nope. one. Ever. You probably you couldn't find. I could Google that one right now. That wouldn't find one. That's awful. That's just it's just being a shitty. So I think that's person. the entire. When I said the entitlement factor, I think that's what played into that because she knew. What are you gonna do? You know, you're not gonna yeah, do anything. Like, to I'm her. sorry. And I was like, he's. And so, just, and that's like what pisses me off is that that's where it's like, like, you didn't learn shit here. No. You didn't learn to be a better driver. Yeah. You just learned that. <laughs> you just I'm a woman and it's fine because <laughs> I have a vagina. It's fine. I have a vagina. We're all good. I'm a terrible fucking driver that was just caused You're massive still alive. accident, possibly multiple cars yeah. because I'm a dumbass and I was on my cell phone. Who knows? Maybe multiple casualties. Bro. You and I. But that goes back to I, I think cell phones are a huge part of like why traffic sucks. It, uh, for sure. Traffic's and gotten worse. Do you pick up? Do you pick up phone calls calls. or texts? And and this can be done. Uh, Not unless I'm uh, hands free. Ditto. Yeah, that's that's. If I'm hands free, it's like I'm talking to somebody in the car with me. I don't. I don't view that as the same. Or if I have to, I'll put my my phone on speakerphone because. Right. I don't. I don't always have like the ability to just hit a button and it plays through my car. So there, it's it's really bad. But what's worse? Did you download the newest iOS? Uh, I'm sure that I automatically it's, did. It tells you your screen time now. Last oh, week. I saw that the other day. I was like, oh. bro, it's frightening to think <laughs> that you look at ESPN. These didn't exist. Let's. Uh, it's not 2019. iPhone came out 08. These didn't exist 12 years ago, and now six hours of our day. Think about that. Yeah. Is how. How crazy is that? These didn't exist 12 years ago. Didn't exist. And now, 12 years later, there's six hours of our day is on them. Yeah. 25. That should tell you the power of your existence is spent looking. And I don't know what mine was, but I was like, I need to turn this shit off because I don't want to. It's going to make me really upset if I know. Like, honestly, it's going to. Where where are the settings? Let me just shut this off. (laughs) I don't want to know how much. My life is revolving around this, but it's the truth, man. It, it's it's totally really fucked up. I think people need to be like cognizant of the their um, content uh, consumption and like screen time. Screen time. I try to be very so. I have a rule because I'm self-employed. Uh, that's a fancy way of saying I play the drums. You know? Yeah. So, but I am. I, but you, you know, actually make a living between my private lessons and you're doing pretty gigs. Okay. And yeah. Stu- anything and everything. Um, I have a rule. It's it. I have a lot of. I don't sleep well usually. Um, um, shout out to people who just have trouble sleeping. Um, I am a very light sleeper. I wake up easily. I wake up early. I don't care. I can be in bed after a gig at three thirty or four, and chances are I'll be up at seven. Like I wish I could sleep in and and just get that for me, but um, 
my rule is this. When I wake up in the morning, my mind is flying. You might think your mind runs, but as soon as my eyes open, I'm flying. And I, I kind of hate it. I think it's like something I deal with. Um, here's my rule. I don't look at my cell phone for 30 minutes, at least 30 minutes, maybe the first, usually the first hour. Okay. A perfect morning for me. And the summertime has been very inconsistent and it's kind of been great and kind of been terrible. It's been terrible lately since uh, Jess has gone back to work. I'm seeing students again a lot. Um, school is coming back. Uh, but during the middle of summer, I d we didn't have students. She wasn't returning to her classroom in her band hall. Um, and so, therefore, we were like just sleeping late and doing other things. But during the school year and on a normal schedule, I l nothing beats like Monday mornings. I, I try not to work Monday mornings. Is your alarm on your phone, by the way? It is. And okay. it's, it's the Apple. So that's the only time you're, you, you turn your alarm off and then you don't look at your phone after that. Correct. If, if it's the one of the days you're like. Right. But this is what sucks. Dude. Well, our well, lives are I, so I intertwined with our phones that some days you, you have to. A but lot not, of days. But, but you know what I've learned? Or, or set your alarm early enough that you know whenever you wake up, I'm not going to have to need, nothing's going to need my attention in that way. Right. Right. For at least a half if, hour to unless an hour. mom or dad or my brother or an immediate family. And they're going to be calling you back to back. Blowing to back. me up yeah. and I'm somebody's dad or so, something. So yeah. Right. Let's just <laughs> say like that's, the, you know, you're an adult. That's the only. Somebody's dead. Something somebody's happened. Somebody's dead. So if that doesn't happen, then <laughs> oh, I wake up and, and this is my ideal morning. I come downstairs. It's Monday. Most of the world is going to work or at work. I'm still just coming downstairs. I make a cup of coffee. And I listen to Dawes, and I sit on the couch where you're sitting mm -hmm. with Bricks the Great Dane, and I drink some coffee, and I listen to some Dawes, D-A-W-E-S, for everybody listening out there, Dawes, um, they're an amazing band, and I just, it's really chill, it, and that helps me come alive in the right, at the right speed, and, and yeah, that's what I like to do, and, and point being, I don't look at the, I don't look at the phone, man, I don't look at, even if I hear it ping or ding and 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 that's what i do but on yeah, that's the dude <laughs> it feels great because there's like this freedom that you feel when you're not you a have prisoner to. i w we were lucky enough i was lucky enough to grow up in the 80s what, what year were you born 85 okay so we're 80s kids no matter what so really 90s kids but right but we we're born in the 80s and and we have very early memories a lot of young childhood years like Everybody on planet Earth got out of bed their entire life and didn't look at this thing. It's right. okay, right? But people who have been born with only the iPhone, so what did you say, 2008, right, or mm -hmm. after? People who have been only known a world with an iPhone or a screen or an iPad or what, you know, right, the have-me-nots. I don't know. I'd love to speak to a lot of people about this because I'm very curious about it, but I... I don't know if, if folks born after a certain date um, feel the same way as I do. That's all. Well, like, I, I, I was talking about phone. this last night I with Taylor. Uh, remembering uh, the world before internet. Life before an iPhone. Or an Android. Internet. Oh, yeah. Internet. Oh, I remember you the remember first. pre-internet. I remember taking internet an internet is class in 1998. Well, it was like internet though, like ninety five ish, and it was still a very, very, very much a doctor's or or professionals network. Yeah, and basic and not stable. And you had to call into it. <laughs> yeah, right. Not stable. You're right. You had to give up your phone line. And somebody calls, and you're like, God damn it! I was so 
or if you have uh if you were at a certain place in life you had a second phone line yeah dedicated to <laughs> yeah your connection um Oh, but no, no, it was, it's just, it was such a different time, man. I mean, like, and, but you're right. So 95, I remember taking a class like my senior year in high school, I'd gotten ahead in some things. So I had like a free elective. And so I took internet or whatever it was called. It was like straight up mm -hmm. class number uh, four, zero, four. Cause you were a senior, mm -hmm. right? Four, zero, one, three, uh, internet stuff or whatever it was. Yeah. And it was like, all we did was read a book that was actually a great book. And it taught you how, like, what the screen and what you were looking at. Mm -hmm. And all I did was I made my first, like, website for free. Yeah. I just got to claim a URL. And mm -hmm. um, I put some wallpaper on it. I remember that it moved. And, uh, oh, what is the format where you have, like, moving wallpaper and stuff? Uh, I'm forgetting. Yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Lots of people <laughs> are like, it's this, you idiot. Um, anyway, but yeah, yeah. It's whatever it's called. Whatever, uh, HTML, not HTML, whatever is the job, Java, whatever moves. Yeah. And, and I was, oh, I wonder, oh, so it was a 311 background. <laughs> it was a 311 logo. It was my favorite band. Shout out 311. And um, it was this background, and it was like, welcome to Mike Gomez's website. 311 is my favorite band. <laughs> Ch Chad Sexton, the drummer, was born in Lexington, Kentucky. I think in in September 1971. <laughs> like, oh, you think I'm, you think I'm, yeah, yeah, messing with it. No, and that was it. But that was a website. And so anyway, that was the beginning to me, to me. That was the beginning of the internet, and yeah. the chat rooms. There was absolutely yeah. no music and no video games. Napster. No. Napster came along. Nap and, and Napster and then came came along like probably uh, 24 months later, 30 months later. Yeah, Napster was like what, like ninety nine. Well, if 2000? it was, and I was, I still wasn't hip to it because I was taking this class in ninety nine. Two thousand one, sure. maybe. Well, I was taking this class in ninety eight or ninety nine. I remember I used to go up to the Senef's house, but I was friends with Daniel Senef. Uh, yeah, I just yeah. ran into I think Josh. Really? Josh or John? Shout out Senef. Shit. I ran into uh, him like, like a year ago at the block. All the the old drumline homies. Yeah, the buds. but uh, I remember Daniel, their little brother. I was friends with him because I was kind of on the younger side for everybody. And uh, he had Napster. I remember, you know, we would download songs. It'd take like fucking twenty minutes to download one <laughs> song, but like, and then dude, it could be like a bad like, download. We just have any song we want in twenty minutes. This is amazing. Suddenly, you had no idea what you wanted. <laughs> you know, like oh, I don't know what to begin. Any song in twenty minutes. This is great. Like, <laughs> now you're like, it didn't download in fucking half a second. God, oh my gosh. there's an ad. Oh well, that's the that's the price. You Why pay. don't we have Google Fiber in this neighborhood? <laughs> Fuck this neighborhood. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, oh oh man. Yeah, yeah. No, the beginning of the internet was a funny thing, and I feel like those. I mean, let's be honest. Those experiences play into how I feel, at least personally, uh, how how I can disconnect from my phone, my screen time. Yeah. Like I remember a life. A lifetime. Let's see. I got my first. I got on the internet in '99, and I was. I got my first phone, 16. Mm -hmm. and that's because I started driving, so it made sense to have a phone, mm -hmm. so I could be in contact on the road if anything happened. And that was a flip. I remember Scotty had that phone. Like it was that that Sprint, gray flip phone. I remember, and I thought it was the coolest thing. Oh, the flip phone. You couldn't really text from it. You could there was texting didn't exist. It yep. didn't have a camera on it. Do you remember? It was T9? just a phone. It was really just a phone. Do you remember T nine? Yes, I T9. remember T nine. Oh, right. oh, so dude, T9 that's like didn't early even texting. exist. Yeah, oh my god. Early gosh. texting, yeah. T nine. Yeah. I actually liked it a lot more because you could type. You know, I, I hated the keypad at first, but 
Oh, what's it's gotten better with out? autocorrect, but also, fuck you, autocorrect. Sometimes I type the right word and it changes it, and I'm like, I spelled I the word correctly that I yeah, wanted yeah. to type, and you still change it. Fuck doesn't, you. Doesn't the iPhone if profess? I, if I spelled it wrong, I get it, but I spelled it right. If Learn you still my behavior. It, Learn you my fucking behavior. Fucking bitch ass hoe. Do you remember? I don't know what I want to say. Doesn't the iPhone profess to like learn like your behaviors and like common words? I think I've hit that limit because I I scream at the phone sometimes when I'm like I type uh, something with maybe a misspelling on purpose or a lowercase or a capitalization that's incorrect Mm -hmm. on purpose. Uh And and then it corrects it. it And I'm like, what the hell? I spell this word incorrectly 16 times a week. Why would you (laughs) learn that? You know? Dude, I was thinking about this I just too. Don't understand. With texting, you know one of the things that really annoys me these days with texting? Using proper punctuation now, you come off as like a serial killer now, dude. Like, when you like use actual American English Is that a semicolon? Punctuation. I, this fool. People are like, why are you using punctuation? Who does this anymore? This guy. You weirdo. Are you flexing? You weirdo who puts proper English like grammar in your texting? Are you Gross. Flexing? It took you like three extra keystrokes to do it. <laughs> you sick fuck. Meow, Where are you at on your beer? Um, I, yeah, I got a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit left. Just enough to sip on. Perfect. I'm a, I'm a slow drinker. That's, <laughs> that's why I like the IPAs because you're almost forced to like drink them slower. Yeah, I like that though because I think it's like... Uh, you just, you really like enjoy the beer. You're not just drinking oh, totally. it just to like, oh, oh, I'm getting fucked oh, up. Oh, you know, like I, I used to drink, I used to drink six beers a night and that was called college. Maybe sometimes it was nine or 10 or everybody, come on. Had, had a, don't know, judge me. Don't you judge me. We all had a few like 12 yeah. to 15 nights. Don't and you judge maybe. me. Um, you did that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, no, I. Yeah, yeah. I'm good on beer, and uh, I do prefer the IPAs because I'm a sipping guy. The flavor, and they're, they're very medium body to thick beers. You know, if you like, Miller Lite is th- so thin. Yeah. I can, I can like, accidentally drink seven Miller Lights because it's just like, whoops, was that not a LaCroix? <laughs> well, yeah, but you can get a good session IPA, too, which is, For like, sure. a, a lower ABV mm-hmm. IPA that, that's, like, a more poundable. But... uh just like as far as like a nice sipping beer, I like uh, when an IPA in Rome. Just to like uh, when in Rome, just to kind of <laughs> have a good have a good sit and chat. Yep, yep, yep. Drink just on them. Thing. Fucking defrost. Hey man, Citrodos IPA. Shout out another That's, another yeah, shout out bro. on the podcast. I can't wait to try the beer, bro. Fucking a. Hi hey, man. Have you had you haven't had it yet? I have not. It's, it's pretty. Does H E B carry it? H E B probably carries Ooh, it I now. Hope so. That'd be great. It's it's Saint Who Arnold's. Say, oh, nice. Yeah. He was brewing for Freetail, and the then he Lombard? moved out to Saint Arnold's. Really? Yeah. So he just went from being a rock star to being like a brewer for a huge brewery. And who? Defrost. Was he really a brewer at Freetail? Yes. That. Yeah. Mm? Yeah. How do you go from being like? That's how he got the Saint Arnold's gig. Rock and drummer. It, that, to a yeah. brewer. Post Chiodos. <laughs> yeah. What am I doing with my life? That's cool. Now, good for him, man. Um, the last time I, I, I saw Derek in person was so so long ago. But we actually played this thing in McAllen. It was this this 
like fest. It was a festival. Chiotos, yeah, Chiotos, Chiotos was playing was it? Like when they kind of came back from their like sabbatical or whatever. Uh-huh. They kind of got back together, and they had done plenty of work before this, but um, they did the Valley of Solid for sure. At least their management did. And you, what group were you playing with? I was with Zeus. Oh, you were so with Zeus. So this was this festival. So Zeus opened for Chiotos? No, we were on a different stage. Oh, so, so they were on the same festival. different vibe. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. And also Toad's different stage. So yeah, Chiotos had like, you know, a stage that was... Um, you know, they had a pretty big following there for a minute. Oh, totally. They they were killing. I like their stuff, man. I remember hearing them like, yeah, I dig this music. Yeah, it's they. Stuff. It's crazy. Like we talked about though, this, the timeless stuff. Like it's interesting to me that nobody talks about them anymore. <laughs> they're not. Right. They're not. It's inter- <laughs> is it is it really interesting <coughs> to you that Paul Simon and, and um, Billy Joel and Elton John and, and you know the Eagles are still more talked about than those bands? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, mean I think it absolutely is. Most it, of my favorite bands, you know. Well, yeah, everybody's favorite bands, but like it's like you know, for a band to it's one thing to break into the mainstream. It's another thing to stay in the mainstream sure. for a long period. It's another thing to like be always like talked about as like revered no matter what, like Radiohead. Radiohead is not really in the news or in but don't mess Universally, with Radiohead. everyone's going to be like, yeah, oh, totally. Radiohead is, Radiohead. they're a revolutionary band. Yeah. You know, I've they, never seen them live. I've only heard the records. I'd love but to see them. Legendary. Dude, Tom York is, he didn't go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. He's like, fuck this bullshit. I'm not going. I'm busy. <laughs> he didn't go, dude. I'm busy. Thank you very much. It was just like this last year at the Barclay Center in Brooklyn. I didn't realize that. That's funny. Tom York didn't show up. Radiohead got inducted. He was like, fuck y'all. I ain't going. Cool. Thank I'm you like, very much. You know, I got to. Re- it's like, you know what? I think Maynard would probably do the same thing whenever, because Tool will get inducted, undoubtedly. They and, better. I, and I don't think Maynard will go. Nah. You, nah. Know, you think he'll go? You don't think he'll go? Oh, he'll wear some totally outrageous I, uh, outfit. If I he don't does. think he's gonna go at all. I don't think he'll be. I don't but, think he'll even show York, up for it. It's so Radiohead of him, though. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh, he didn't go to his own H O F induction ceremony. That's so Radiohead. But you know, I can kind of respect that. What he's trying to say is like, there's no Hall of Fame. This is music. There's no. It's like that's glamorizing all the wrong things about music. Yeah. And yeah, it makes sense. And it and I get why people like, uh, like want and like like that recognition. But at the same time, it's like with comedy too. You know, like whenever you're in a comedy contest, I've been in many, many comedy contests over the years. That's a hard contest. I just, I don't like the idea that we're comparing humor. Like, it's dumb. Who's There's no, who the, hey, oh, on. no, Leonardo da Vinci's the greatest painter of all time. Bullshit, it's Van Gogh, dog. Like, you know, like. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. Fucking, oh, oh, yeah? Fuck you, Picasso, bitches. Both y'all wrong. <laughs> it's art. It's so subjective, dude. Really like, is. that's where I feel like. It's know, also kind of a game. That's just like, that's just glamorizing sales and like. Absolutely. You know, and commercially successful acts aren't all created equal. Some are bullshit hack shit, and some are legitimately true, real shit. Absolutely. And then on the converse, sometimes legitimately true, real shit never really gets its acclaim in its time. Mm-hmm. Bill Hicks being a prime example of that. But yeah, musically, drum drummer wise, I feel like uh, one of my favorite drummers is a guy named Ari Hainig. Ari Hainig, and uh, he's amazing. I got to meet him once at a conference. Any, anybody notable that he played with? Oh, tons of people. I just uh, can't recall him right now. 
because this ice cold beer is great. <laughs> but um, Ari Hainig is just a fantastic drummer and, and just super melodic, s- very progressive. Um, got his book. He signed his book for me when I met him. Super cool guy. But point being, um, I just I think he's very underrated. He's a guy that's not getting his you know his due. Mm-hmm. You know, he is he is a great in my opinion. He is a future if not current great jazz giant like a, a mm-hmm. jazz giant you know mm-hmm. um interesting that you brought up a jazz drummer you know it's just kind of new thing i've been dabbling with <laughs> <laughs> dude i just say this because like rock's pretty easy funk is a little more difficult latin definitely step up from that jazz is like I, next I would, level shit, i would dude. put latin and jazz you put Latin and jazz together in terms of difficulty, difficulty? And, and like, yeah, yeah, accomplishments or, or what the drummer um, needs to do to 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 be um, proficient. I think it's like Latin. You've got a lot of things going on at one time, so definitely I could see that. And it's very still open to improvisation and comping, which mm-hmm. we right accompanying your band, and um, but it's just a totally different gear. It's a different style and. And but like if you're talking about like a small combo jazz straight ahead jazz or just swinging hard, um, the jazz drummer playing jazz music is like doing the same thing with four limbs with the same emphasis in, in one hand and a lighter volume in the other and maybe perhaps a different volume in his foot. And the Latin drummer's doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's just different music. So right. That, that's why I keep those two together because having having now to learn to calypso and to mozambique and to samba and to salsa and to tumbao and the difference between a son and a rumba clave um all those things and then also having to learn how to play like bebop and then like big band jazz which are two totally different kind of feels mm-hmm. um it's basically those guys work just as hard as each other and i i revere both of the latin drummers and jazz drummers um, the same, basically. Yeah, yeah. Because I think a lot of them are cross. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. That's cross why both mediums. Latin bands can swing out, and swing bands can can you know drop a Latin groove with hopefully. They're almost inter- they have to be interchangeable. They do. I feel like the Latin cats though can usually swing pretty hard. Yeah, and, and like the, the white the dudes, swing cats, like the are swing like cats, they get like a cowbell thrown at them from like the real Latin cats. Are like that ain't Latin, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> Bro, I love timbales, dog. Oh, that's my favorite. I always play with the timbales. It's on my left. Yeah. Look up that song. It's great. <laughs> the king of the timbales. El rey. Yeah. El rey. Uh, yeah. Tito Puente was one of my idols for sure. So, you, you know, you may not... You, I think you have an idea, but you may not know this for sure, for certain. I prefer always to play with a left-hand timbale. Some drum set players will play with like a left hand snare or a pad and all kinds of stuff. And I do have electronic percussion at times, mm-hmm. um, but I w- always prefer to have a timbali. It's one of my favorite things. I love Latin percussion. I love that instrument in particular. And um, uh, I worked a lot to like kind of learn how to hit it right and stuff. I'm not like some timbalero master, right? I'm not like anything yeah. that's, that's great. Uh, but but I can play some licks on it that people like. A lot of rim shots, too. A lot of rim shots, but at yeah. the right volume with the right delivery, the right tempo, right? Like that right. Yeah. Just like the stand-up we mentioned earlier and just like with the right pulse and feel and delivery and tempo. Um, and, of course, the biggest word in drum fills and, and like when you play out as a drummer is fit. Does it fit 
what's mm-hmm. going on. If you're like have a groove, doom to doom to doom to doom 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 double bass drum, like no, yeah. that doesn't fit, bro. That doesn't fit. That's so. one thing I notice with a lot of drum fills is that sometimes, or, or sorry, not drum fills, drum solos. Sometimes drum solos will go off on this tangent when you're like, yeah, this is great, but then like to rein it back in, like does it doesn't feel like it fit with what came what it came back to again. That's a breakdown right there, a breakdown in musical form when that doesn't happen. So that so say like you see a drum drummer at a live show, you're at whoever, band, national band, and drum solo, and then the band leaves the stage, mm-hmm. and then the drummer goes, and you can tell, okay, we're in exploratory, ex- exploratory mm-hmm. territory, mm-hmm. and um, and you get lost. Yeah. The form, the musical form, right, is, is too hard for you to follow. There needs to be melody, and, yeah. a, and, and like form would be in a jazz standard, A-A-B-A, mm-hmm. play something, Play something, say something else. Play something, mm-hmm. just to repeat it, and then repeat that form. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But then you go from here, and then you go to here. You go to here. You go to here. You go to here. Now we're gonna whisper, and and it's just like, oh my god. And then you come back. Hey, remember this one beat? And you're like, no, yeah, I don't, because I I've heard of it eleven things. Ago. Also, your phrasing was like not eleven bars and in forty nine bar measures. And I went to get a beer and take a piss, and I came back, and you were still playing. So, I don't, <laughs> you, but when you give it to him, eight bars. Eight bars, sixteen bars, boom, stop. You know, and there's 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 um, musical form, there's yes. a organization and idea. Yeah. Then that really, that really makes a drum solo make sense. Yeah. And yeah, so <laughs> even if it goes off sense. of the you know, the, you know the structure rhythmically of whatever you were doing prior to it, as long as you keep it in some sort of constructed, uh, like. You know, you keep uh, it this play. many bars to this many, you know, and it's like right. it, it feels like it has form. There are certain elements. They, I, it, yeah. I, I 100 percent understand exactly yeah. what you're getting. There's at. a form. You're like, you know what? I'm kind of lost, but I bet he's going to drum fill and crash the cymbals right now. Yes. Yeah. 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 And you're yeah. like, cool. Like, uh, OK, like I, I I had something to hold on to in the middle of all the right, whatever right. craziness that I it kept me in there mm-hmm. in that, you know, whatever. Yeah. In that in that experience and the musical progression yeah. and and, the yeah. and now you can only hope that the drummer performing the drum solo yeah. knew exactly what he was doing that's why <laughs> dude, if he didn't then he got lucky and, and if he d- and if he does then you're in good hands and he's a musical uh musician that's why i think a, a great drum solo can only go so many bars like how many bars is um Neil Peart solo in yes. Tom Sawyer. Um, one, two, three, four, too many. See, that's a great example of, of Neil playing around the form and musical hits. He's just playing the tune. Yeah, and, but, but like it's like it stays in there, but it, it goes like for what? I, don't I mean, what is that, like 32? Or 16? 16. It's 16? Maybe 16. Um, yeah. Like it, it, but it has to be that too. Sixteen so or thirty. Tom Sawyer. We're singing Tom Sawyer, right? Yeah. Do, 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 but it's also in do, seven eight, so it's it like a, seven. It's, it throws you off a little bit too with that. It's in seven, but it but but Tom Sawyer is a very tangible song. That's why it had commercial sec- success. It did. If you're talking about now a live experience and an open drum solo, mm-hmm. that's when things get fishy. Yeah. But on record, in in specific, I think like uh, Tom Sawyer, Neil Peart. Uh, you know, yeah, that makes perfect musical sense. He's playing around the form. And it's like any jazz drummer, when you hear an open jazz drum solo or when the band plays like a couple of hits behind him mm-hmm. in a jazz setting and they're playing a jazz standard, mm-hmm. it's the same thing Neil's doing in that tune. Yeah. And that's that's an amazing thing. That's why I love music. Uh, it's just a different style. Um, I go back to uh, all the time, dude. Uh, 
when you're talking about a like let's not even say within a the format of a song let's just say an open uh format drum solo okay like open format straight like fucking tony royster when he was 12 dude you're like how the fuck is this kid playing this like at this age, that's when I started playing drums. Yeah. And I look at him and I'm like, I couldn't play that now. I saw that in 1999, my freshman year in college, and I was like, I quit. <laughs> I, <laughs> I quit. Like, this, wh- it was really? in real time. It was 1999, and I was like 18 or 19. And then this kid was 12, and he was like, obviously destroying my future. <laughs> but he's like, dude, but it's like, but he kept it, he kept me locked in on it because it's like, it, it always came back into yeah. something. Into, if you haven't yet thought of this, though, you got to consider this. That was, um, and I'm not knocking it at all. I love that solo. I actually stole a bunch of it. That was worked on for a very long time. Right. Let's, let's just say this. That wasn't an improvised solo. Sure, of course. Okay. Of course. So if you can if you can now approach and reset from that frame Well, so we'll go back to live performance. It shouldn't be improvised there either. Like, what you're doing should be that. Well, in this, it doesn't right? always have to be. No, no. No, and it doesn't have to be. I mean, Tony Royster, if I was going to play something at like PASIC, right? And like we know what PASIC is. Um, and uh, that's where Tony Royster would have maybe played his solo. I think he played it at the Modern Drummer Festival. Um, if I were invited to play at PASIC, I would definitely work up some things. And in my format, I might say, I'm going to bring this exact solo. Mm-hmm. But at three points in the solo, I'm open. No. Like I know I'm going to be improvising. Um, maybe maybe he did, and we don't know. Nobody really knows. They j- we just see this incredible video of Tony Royster as a 12-year-old just destroying the drum set and ruining my career. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Tony Royster. Um, but no, no, no. I think, yeah, I think that solo was not improvised, and, and I think that's a, an amazing thing. It's not a bad thing at all. There, um, you want to talk about improvising, though? The one of the ones I go back to, another one of the, the one you showed me, Soul Chops, dude, with the, him and Thomas Pridgen, and you're like, oh. <laughs> that was impro, yeah. So that that, that that's just like, if oh. everybody remembers that first Tom and Thomas Pridgen uh, video they ever saw, his technique is so weird. Too. I I love it though. No, I took I took a lesson in L. A. Um, uh, so was like in like like T-Rex arm drumming. <laughs> right. But, but it's like a transfer of energy. It's like a thing, because I, I like frowned upon it. I was like, no, your technique is garbage, although you're a thousand times better than me. You know, like, come yeah. on, like, really. Um, uh, so I was I was in Los Angeles last year for a conference, and I took a lesson with Dave Elich. Uh, Dave Elich is uh, an amazing drummer and a really cool person. Uh, if you don't know him, look him up. Uh, he played with the Mars Volta. He plays currently with, I think, Miley Cyrus, Justin Timberlake at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, really great dude. Um, and we walked through some technique. I went to Dave, um, and uh, and my questions for him were, what can I do? Th- watch me play. Like I, like we spoke about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not afraid of a gig. I know what I'm capable of. I'm not going to show up like an idiot. I'm going to be prepared. Um, and also, I can wing it pretty pretty well. I'm your right. guy. Hire me. Take me around the world. I'm your guy. Please. Yeah. I promise. If you if I screw up, just let me go. I'll yeah. leave. I won't argue with you. But what I want to talk about, Dave, is what I told Dave Elich, um, is will you watch me and what do you think? You know, mm-hmm. you're a guy that plays with the stars. And he was like, you know, you sit too low. Uh, you should consider this technique. And it was like playing the floor tom. If I'm sitting down, instead of reaching over and imagining playing your floor tom with your the top of your hand up, Mm-hmm. It's flipping your wrist down. So when I play a note on my floor, Tom, and if I play a note now, ready, go, boom. M- 
if I freeze there, you're looking at the top of my hand and it's the snap of the wrist. You have that, that fling of the stick, the momentum and which it's counterintuitive to everything I was ever taught. And, and I try to be open-minded. So I kind of fought with it in our lesson, but I took it home with me and I worked on it for a couple of months and um, I love it the way I like flick my wrist. Sometimes I'll turn my wrist upside down and play my floor tom and I get more sound out of it, more volume and, and just 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 a bigger sound, a, a better mm -hmm. sound. And so back to the Thomas Pridgen thing with this technique being kind of strange and not not like we yeah. we were taught in the Texas band program to play either American or German grip for my people out there, my drummers listening. Um, so match grip, basically. Um, these guys kind of play wrong but they're smoking they play faster than we are they got bigger mm -hmm. gigs than we do and they have a, a more successful playing career mm -hmm. i mean like they're they're Tom it's thomas Pridgen we're talking about and david yeah. not mike gomez you know mike gomez is talking about them and so uh i think that technique is a very open-ended thing um and watching the thomas Pridgen stuff i would encourage younger drummers to not really to 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 to, to play towards that that level of, of greatness, but maybe not emulate the technique until you have some 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 time with a, a band well, director. I think it goes down or a to percussion instructor. I think it goes down to techniques exist for a reason. You Ergonomics know, like and, and fluidity yeah, of natural. There's a playing. reason that certain techniques exist because they're the most effective, Eff efficient way to play. But that doesn't mean that sometimes outside of that realm, there's not varying techniques that are effective too. It just means that those techniques, generally speaking, aren't as efficient as the established techniques. Right. You know, because that's that's Pridgen. You would sure. think that for sure. Yeah. And and so the funny thing you say, uh, you say that. And Dave Elich was uh, explaining to me and trying to convince me the exact opposite. Right. Really? OK. This this I was like, I'm playing a floor tom note. I'm sitting at my drum set and I whack the floor tom. And when I finish. My hand is like this, and I'm showing Cody my hand, everybody, and my palm is up. up. Right, and which is like, you don't play the drums with and finish with your palms up. Mm -hmm. But I'll be damned if I couldn't get a bigger sound than Dave Elitch. Now, his his point was that when you're playing on when you're playing for Justin Timberlake and Miley Cyrus and these large artists, right? Huge international artists, and you're playing in arenas, the bigger the sound, the better. So he I after a lot of thought and, and letting it kind of simmer, I understood, I think, better what Dave was teaching me that day. And that is like, I'm teaching you how to play big, but if you hit the drums hard forever, you're going to hurt yourself. Mm -hmm. You're going to get tired. Let me show you how to get a massive sound out of your kit with minimal effort. Yeah. A in other words, natural Effort, and, yeah, and you're also, yeah, you're you're utilizing different muscles. You're utilizing different muscles. You're utilizing different technique, right? yeah. i.e. the hand being the wrong way that we learned yeah. when you're finished with your stroke. And But I'll never forget, Dave said something to the effect that, like this. He says, I can play these gigs every night, 90 minutes a night for however many shows on the road and, and just never wake up hurting the next day. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's funny, Dave, because I don't play nearly as much as you as hard and I hurt a lot more. Yeah. And so I took what I needed to from that, and, and I was really grateful for it. It was some of the best money I've ever spent. I continually try to spend money on drum lessons. I, don't, I know you know some musicians. Like, you know, we mentioned some musicians tonight in, in the podcast. 
um, I think all the musicians out there don't stop taking lessons. You're you're we're not that good. I'm not that good. Yeah. Um, if you think I'm that good, thank you. But um, <laughs> uh, you should know it's it's no secret to anybody. I just took a lesson. I paid it was one hundred and twenty dollars an hour and I paid Dave Elich for an hour and a half. So I spent one hundred and eighty bucks. Um, and it was when when the, when 88 minutes was there, we were like, OK, saying goodbye. OK, get out because he had somebody else. Yeah. So, I mean, I encourage everybody to take lessons. I, I meet with Audra Manconi, my drum set professor from college. You still uh, meet with her? About once a year. Right now, it's about like every 18 months. Um, but she is a, a super important person to me, a dear friend. And yes, we meet we meet periodically in life. Um, I took a lesson with Dave Village. Oh, I just try to take lessons with people, man. I just try to talk to people. I just that's why I got with you because like whenever I was playing, still yeah. with my old project, like yeah, like I'm like yeah, I could play, but I want to be doing the right things. Sometimes like, I want to be about the conversation, right? In yeah. lessons, you know, and that's, it's that's it's it's thing. about yeah, man. I mean, like perspectives on playing don't just happen with what you're playing. It's in the approach. It's in the I think just the the technique doesn't start uh on the physical it starts up here and the the you convey that out like this is how i approach things mm. like there's certain like concepts that you know those are b- their base concepts but like tempo lerno is one of those ones that you just tempo it just lerno. like yeah. talk about a good podcast name if you were ever doing a music <laughs> podcast tempo lerno tempo dude. lerno bro cuz it's like that's that's tempo lerno bro tempo lerno bro <laughs> bro <laughs> bro, do you know about Tempo Lerno though, bro? Bro, Lerno, bro. <laughs> but yeah, man, it, it's it's definitely something well, I think. Yeah, yeah there's value. Um, no matter what your skill level is, you should never have a mindset that you're there's not still something you could learn. Absolutely, and that's that's what fascinates me. I'm I'm always trying to turn the triplet around. That's my, my that's my bag these days. Yeah, I'll think you could turn a triplet around, especially if you're a bass player, or a keyboard player. Holler at me and let's play. Because <laughs> I, I mean, and I'll put a metronome on. <laughs> I won't give you the one, two, three, four. It'll just be a click. <laughs> it won't literally say one, two, and three. <laughs> It'll just say click, click. But if I'll come back on eight or sixteen or wherever I please, and if you're not there, then I can't help you, bro. bro but I'm just you gotta fascinated. find your way back to the downbeat, well, dog. The triplet gets wily, you and gotta I love it, man. I love it. But but anyway, um, I I would just encourage people to if you're a drummer or a musician take a lesson you don't know everything i don't know everything the only reason i feel like i've enjoyed any success in my studio teaching um is because i continue to talk to other professionals yeah whether they're band directors or percussion directors um i thought about it recently going back for uh back to school um i've always wanted a master's degree or, or even a doctorate and i thought maybe about going uh to utsa for a master's in conducting, um, uh, conducting's always kind of fascinated me. Uh, the control, the command of a room, right? Mm-hmm. Like you said, a group. Um, I and as a drummer, right? I command the beat. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a click track in your band, if you're a good band, you just play to the drummer, and hopefully the drummer has a good time. Because if mm-hmm. not, you're fucked, and the band sucks. Yeah. If everybody plays to the drummer, the drummer's up and down all over. It the always. It, the drummer is the heartbeat, no matter what. For sure. And no if, if what, you have a terrible drummer, where the pulse. I was a terrible drummer once, trust me. But but I guess what I'm saying is if, you know, at, with my experience as a drummer and knowing that I provide the role, I provide the beat, I dictate, I know how to communicate and look at people uh, confidently and, and um, sometimes discreetly, right? Uh, then maybe conducting would be a really fun study for me. But 
um, you know, I've decided to not do that right now. I think, yeah, I, don't know. <laughs> I would love to go back to school, but like, I don't want to just do that for two years, you know, cause I would want to yeah. put my, my heart and soul into I, it. Yeah. And it's, that would at, be the, at next the end step, of the though. day. You're, you're a pro. I'm like you're, well, there, there's stuff you would learn for sure. But it's all stuff I feel like that would be like, you're like, I kind of already knew this. Yeah. Well, yeah. In in a way, but just you're just helping me articulate it out in a way that maybe I didn't understand how to articulate it. I think, yeah, exactly. But I innately already just, kn- I already knew. That, I think it would music. be, it would be uh, expanding my skill set, you know, yeah. personally. It would be, it's something that fascinates me that I, that I kind of like. And I like, oh, you know, I did want to be before. So here are my, my childhood passions. I'll leave you with this. <laughs> in middle school, I, I was obviously pretty new to band and, and music. And um, I loved my middle school directors. They were awesome. They were they were great. And I wanted to be a band director right away. And then, like my eighth grade year, when I was about to go into high school, I said, I don't want to be a band director. I want to be a conductor. <laughs> of it, right? Which is like, you know, not a band director, yuck, but like a conductor of <laughs> world renowned, whatever. And then I went to high school and I was like, oh my gosh, I just want to play in marching band forever. Then I found out about DCI and I thought, I want to be in DCI. And then a reality check, I'll never be in DCI. I'm way too late. <laughs> but then I found the drum set in high school and jazz band. And I said, you know what? This is it. Yeah. I already knew from about the time I was about 10 years old after watching a Guns N' Roses music video that like drums was like a thing to me. I was like, calling oh, it, it was calling me. But now I was playing percussion. But I wasn't playing drums yet. I was playing percussion. Right. And in high school, the I'll put it to you this way. I've, you're not the first person I've said this to. The only reason I joined the high school jazz band in Los Fresnos, Texas, was because I got to play the drum set. Yeah. I was just like, whatever. Yeah. No, I get it, man. I, that's one of the big reasons I love jazz because it's like I want to play a drum set. Yeah. I don't want to just sit on one specific right. instrument. I want to play that ensemble. I want to play all of them. Unbeknownst to me, I would fall in love with the music. Yeah, uh, I didn't even know anything about jazz, and then I discovered things like um, Salt Peanuts, Salt Peanuts, and then Maynard Ferguson, and then smaller group stuff like Miles Davis was always kind of a uh, like a name. Yeah, but then I heard some, and I was like, Oh my god, dude, this Herbie is Hancock, amazing. bro! Oh my gosh, <laughs> all the stuff, the Headhunters. Oh, uh, Wayne Shorter, Speak No Evil is one of my favorite tunes. Yeah. Uh, I teach that stuff um, to, I have kind of a small repertoire of like must know tunes if you study with Mike. Yeah. And um, yeah, some of the harder swing and stuff. It's just some of the cooler stuff. Piano Trio. uh, I just love Keith Jarrett. Blows my my freaking mind. Uh, Jack Dejanet. I have a snare drum signed by Jack Dejanet. Jack Dejanet. And also, um, uh, Steve Gadz signed that snare drum at a clinic here in San Antonio. I was very, I'm very grateful. Yeah. That both of those those guys. The problem my drum. is all inside your head. She said <laughs> to me, "The yeah. answer is easy if you take it logically." I'm like, yeah, We play that. We play that sometimes. Sometimes I play with this wedding band. I love that. That's like such a. A obscure intro to a song, but like such a great song. Dude, oh, Paul Simon. Floor Tom on beat four is so good. It's so good. <laughs> 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 Boom. 
boom. boom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, dude. Like, dude. And then this is this is this is gonna end up being a podcast that like anyone that's not a drummer is gonna be like, like you lost me. You lost me. Yeah. What is the chick chick a boom thing? Uh, well, hey man, uh, anything you would like to pipe before we close it out? Uh, any 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 projects or things you're doing that you'd like anybody to know about that might be listening? Yeah, so I got two things. LucasJackMusic.com. Uh, Lucas Jack uh, is my main band, and we're uh, based out of St. Louis, Missouri, uh, and San Antonio, Texas, between the two states. It's uh, it's good stuff. Check us out. Give us a shot. Um, we got a new record coming nice. right now. And uh, nice. Uh, there's something local since I live in San Antonio and I don't live and in San Louis. Yeah. And we are in San Antonio currently. At the moment, at yeah. The moment. Yep. Yep. And uh, I started a, a really great project with some friends, uh, Damien and Ricky. Uh, it's called Elevadores, which is elevators in Spanish, if you're not too lazy. So it's all one word. Yep. E- elevadores. 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 Okay. Yep, yep. Elevadoresmusic.com. And uh, it, we just wrote like, nine or ten original tunes uh damien plays upright bass ricky plays keys nice sometimes nice. it's piano sometimes it's like a Rhodes patch okay and um i played drums obviously yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um it's 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 we made some arrangements and and yeah we, we put them out and i'm really proud of it and uh these guys they kill it it's been we met in a, in, a, in another band in town and um it's really cool that we've been able to to become better friends instead of just guns, hired guns in this band. Yeah. And then also like do something that we believe in. Yeah. So yeah, Lucas Jack music, elevadores music.com. And, and of course the DMG. Yeah. The DMG. I have a website that's probably not up to par. The drummer, Mike Gomez.com. The Check DMG. You can find me on Facebook. My IG is really busy. That's where I spend most of my time. Uh, Instagram at and the that's DMG. your Instagram handle is yeah at the DMG at the DMG yeah the DMG the okay. drummer Mike Gomez that's I didn't make it up that's, that's we didn't talk about that yeah yeah that's, that's, a, that's for another time <laughs> that's I have but a it is you are the DMG and that's uh, yeah. all that needs to be said and really. I wasn't like I need an artist name what is it gonna be <laughs> <laughs> oh the DMG no something an acronym yeah, yeah, exactly cool. something so cool and I actually just adopted it now I, <laughs> I no, like it's it good. because it's it's concise it's just my name. And it's so three syllables. It's the DMG. DMG. Sometimes people are like, yo, bro, it means damage, right, dog? And I'm like, <laughs> no, bro, I'm no. not that hard. Nope, not <laughs> at all. Well, well hey, man, it was, it was nice to talk with you, man. Thank you for your help. And uh, yeah, th- the great, a great friend and, and great drummer, Mike Gomez. Thanks for having me, man. It was, of course. It was a pleasure. Yeah, enjoy it. Okay, bye. Bye now. <laughs>